backstory of their civil war and what the world can expect. The event starts at 7.30 p.m. at St. John's Presbyterian Church. That's 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley. Tickets are at brownpapertickets.com and local independent bookstores. Proceeds benefit KPFA, and details are on our website, kpfa.org. That's Reese Ehrlich, October 9th, hosted by me, Brian edwards Teekert. See you there. And you're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno. Online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover, Real to Real. Welcome to another edition of Cover to Cover, Real to Real, or as I like to say, Frame to Frame. My name is Raina Cowan. I'm here with you for the next half hour talking about film. You know, there's many different film festivals in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I'm really drawn to the ones that have a lot of breadth um, and at the same time depth that somehow I wind up seeing films that I wind up talking about for months thereafter. And I have found that one of the film festivals that does this for me is the Mill Valley Film Festival, which runs uh, in Mill Valley, Corte Madera, and San Rafael from October 2nd through the 12th. And uh, it's a really interesting film festival with both um, Hollywood hits, uh, films that are about to be released. They've had the special ability to um, show on opening night films that wind up getting Oscar uh, wins, so pretty surprising. But in any case, a lot of really interesting films. So with me to talk about the festival, I'm joined both by Zoe Elton, who's the director of programming for Mill Valley Film Festival. Welcome. Hi, Irena. Thank you. And then I'm also joined by the director of um, a film that I thought was very interesting entitled Capturing Grace. Dave Iverson, who is a Bay Area filmmaker, has done a lot for PBS and uh, has a film that's in the festival. Welcome to KPFA. Thank you, Irena. Happy to be with you. Okay, so let's start with you, Zoe. I mean, you know, each year I'm always amazed at going through the listing of films from all these different areas. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, well, what are the trends? How come, you know, <laughs> that there's films that either wind up being about certain themes or films from different areas that are reflecting uh, ideas in uh, in ways that I think are amazing. Mm-hmm. So I I wonder if is it, is it just your curatorial vision that helps create that uh with the films that are chosen or whether it really seems like i don't know there's kind of a kismet about what happens good question and i think that because we're showing films every year from 40 or 50 different countries and they come from you know in addition to being from many countries there are a lot of different cultures that are represented it's hard to know really you know what which is the chicken and which is which is the egg in terms of themes that arise but one of the things i think was interesting to me this year is that we had made a commit commitment to do um a latin american and spanish language series at the festival so we we all got quite immersed in what was coming out of latin american countries and from spain and so on and what was interesting was from Mexico, where really in the last few years there have been a lot of 
North America, Mexico stories, some of them quite often quite violent, some of them about people coming to the United States or the challenges of living here or having family here, another family in Mexico, border, you know, the whole politics of the border. I found that was less so this year, but I was talking with a group of people about the choices of films that we actually had in that series. And one of the themes that we were noticing was that there is that sense of people traveling somewhere or going somewhere else. And the woman that I was speaking with was noticing that for her, as someone who is Latin American, that that's a part of what her story is. And even though it's arising in completely different ways in a lot of the films that we're showing, there is that sense of almost like searching for something or going somewhere in order to find either something palpable or to find a part of yourself. Well, I guess that's, uh, there is that element in films, the way that somehow there, uh, lately there seems like there's a message, right? That there's a message mm -hmm. of, that you're, of self-discovery or seeing something in a new way. I mean, of course, characters need to develop in the course of a film, but mm -hmm. it seems stronger now. I don't know, just by that line you were saying of um, finding oneself or finding something. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that people, because of the proliferation of film as a, as a medium that we can really engage with as filmmakers at a, a lot of different levels, that there's much more of a practice of filmmaking. You know, so people actually have a chance to make films much more now than they have ever done at any other time in history. So perhaps that offers the opportunity for people to really, you know, to really get into that. Um, but there are ways, I mean, for instance, there's a film from Africa called Timbuktu that we're showing. Um, and it's very, a very current film in as much as it's about what's been happening in Timbuktu and the, you know, what's referred to there as the civil war there, um, in which there have been Al-Qaeda people who have come into that community and created havoc and mayhem. And uh, yet the film itself really shows it in a way that's very almost like you, you get a real sense of what it feels like in a day-to-day -day way. And a real, there's a sort of a humanity pulsing through it that is really quite beautiful. Oh, interesting. Well, this might be a good moment to bring in Dave Iverson. Uh, his film, Capturing Grace, is uh, deals with something that... Uh, is surprising in terms of the the kind of engagement I felt when I watched this film. It's about a group of adults who have Parkinson's and they collaborate with some leading professionals from the Mark Morris Dance Group to stage a performance. And uh, so, Dave, you you decided to make this film. This is your second film dealing with Parkinson's. Um, you're a documentary film maker and uh, both you know your first film, which was looking at the fact that you're your brother, sorry, your father and you and your brother um, all have Parkinson's. And this one is much more poetic about um, managing, coming up with solutions, feeling good in one's body. So what about the transformation for you in terms of going from one kind of documentary to such a different kind? 
It's a great question. Um, thank you, Rain, again. It's a pleasure to be on with you and, and with Zoe as well. You know, my my history is as a, a reporter and a documentary maker within the television tradition. So almost everything that I've ever done has been more reported, not only the frontline film that you were referring to, but the other um, TV documentaries that I've done for, for public television. And this was really a different kind of story, and it was really a story that seemed to me best told by the characters themselves. That can sound like a bit of a cliche, but when I first visited this class, it was actually when I was making the other film that was a more personal story about my own family saga with Parkinson's, but also about the science and the sort of controversial aspects of, of that science that also had a political undertone to them. When I visited this class, it was just so striking what you saw, what you saw on the dance floor, what you saw when these people who often would struggle to move, engaging in what seems like the least likely thing possible to dance and doing so alongside some of those most beautiful dancers um, in the world. It just seemed like a story worth telling in this particular way. And because there was a natural story arc to it, that I could follow them over the course of a year as they got ready to put on this performance. I really wanted to see if I could do it in this particular way, which was, which was infinitely harder than I thought. You know, I'm used to solving problems in the script by writing. And without that tool, because this is a, a film that is almost entirely non-narrated, only told in the voices of the characters, it was very challenging. It gave me a great deal of new respect for other ways of making films. But in the end, I do feel like, at least I hope, that it does carry that story in the best possible way. There's some wonderful characters in the film, and there is, you know, you're talking, you and Zoe were talking about the concept of journey. There's a journey that these characters go on that is also transformational, and I'm just, um, it was really the greatest privilege of my um, storytelling, professional filmmaking life to be able to put this particular story together. Well, so it's interesting because there is a way that um, Dave Iverson has uh, a stake in the subject because there's something personal reflecting in it. And it used to be the documentary was something where there was, you were a removed observer. Um, Zoe, have you found that there's a lot more documentaries in the festival where the focus is really from more the inside out rather than the outside in? Or do you think that it's, is it cultural or going back and forth? Good question. I think, um, I mean, there are definitely, um, films that we're showing where there is the exploration of a personal story, um, within the notion of, of the documentary. But I think the other thing, and I think this is one of the things that Dave is very successful in doing, is that, is that way of sort of finding the story in a documentary and I think that there is there is a tendency for a lot of documentaries to sort of extract extract or extrapolate the story of what the uh, the topic is that they're exploring um, and I think within that even if a even if a film is not necessarily personal or is one step removed from being personal quite often a lot of the most successful films whether they're documentaries or narratives are ones in which either we as audience or the filmmaker as an artist find the connection with 
our sense of who we are um, in the characters that we see on screen. So, Dave, for you, did you feel like that there was a difficulty um, being so close to the material in a way, or did that wind up being an advantage? It definitely was, I definitely felt a, a close connection. I felt a close connection to these individuals. You're quite right. I mean, and in the rest of my broadcast um, history, I have had even a, a more removed um, sense, and, and as tried very hard to remain and to maintain a sense of, of complete you know f- fairness and, and accuracy in the way in which a story was told i would it was actually harder it was more challenging for me to have any kind of distance or to stay back from this story than even the one that was i mean you know my frontline film was called my father my brother and me which is about as personal as you would think you could get and yet i would say this film is more personal to me um and i felt closer to it in part because some of these characters i became quite close to and and had you know such regard and respect and affection for them so I think, um, in part because I worked with a wonderful cinematographer and an extremely talented editor, they also helped provide additional eyes to this um, to, to sort of uh, make sure that we didn't that we got close, but that we didn't let that closeness get in the way of the story that needed to be told, and to let that play out in the way that needed to be told. So. I think in the end, having a stake, caring about it, caring about it deeply was an advantage. But I also think I was helped enormously in that effort by the people who I was working with. That's interesting. You know, it makes me think of narrative films. Like one of the things you're going to have this year that's special, I just heard about it, was Darren Aronofsky is coming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's somebody who, starting with Pi way back when, that there is an intensity of, uh, of who he is that somehow bleeds through in his filmmaking like that there's a way that i feel like i know him Mm -hmm. more than some other directors so i'm really fascinated about this uh, discussion that you're going to be that uh is going to be happening with him in mill valley yeah we've just booked this there are a couple of things that have come up since we went to print with our schedule uh that are now we're just announcing so this one is um it's going to be uh variety the trade magazine for film is putting together a series of conversations with people who are quote-unquote contenders uh, for, you know, for the awards season. And what they were interested in um, with Darren Aronofsky's work is um, really the collaboration between himself and um, we're, we'll have uh, one of his animators there and a special effects person. So it'll be a moderated conversation that will look at the creative process. Um, and I think, you know, to have someone like Aronofsky, who, as you say, is is kind of a fascinating uh, director and a fascinating writer, uh, or fascinating psyche, shall I say, um, will be kind of great. That's on the second weekend of the festival, and I, I think we've got it up on our website at this point. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Now, one of the films that I didn't get to see, but sounded, I don't know if you've seen it, Ice Poison, which is from Myanmar. You haven't you haven't seen that yeah, one? Yeah, this is one that Janice actually had uh, curated. Janice, Janice Potkin. Potkin. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, I can only talk about it in general terms, but um, 
Well, I just think that there's something about that. There's always these gems about places that we don't really know anything about. Right. And then we get to both have a sense of the culture and not plus the story. Are there other films that stand out in that kind of way this year? Um, Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, there's there's a film called La Tiricia, uh, which... Um, its English title is um, Perpetual Sadness, um, which we weren't sure about in terms of <laughs> and people know about it. Um, it sounds like a great title to me. Does it? Well, that's what some people say. Yeah, yeah. I think if you understand it in a, you know, in a more sort of organic way, that makes sense. Or it's sort of like it feels like a Catholic kind of, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, some, I don't know. But La Chiricia is is uh, set in a small uh, Mexican community where uh, one woman's husband has been living in North America for a long time. Uh, another woman has remarried to the guy who I have to, would say is kind of like the the local rooster <laughs> in his relationship with the local women, um, and it really looks at the relationships between women and men in a small, um, fairly remote town, you know, or village, essentially, and what that looks like. It's really beautifully shot, and um, I mean, it has a sort of an insight and a sensibility that I really appreciated. I mean, there's, you know, there's one man in town who's gay, and yet nobody is kind of... You know, he's not ostracized. He seems, you know, integrated into the community, and it, in a way that that you might not find, you know, would necessarily be the case in other communities. So, it's a film that's both very beautiful to look at, um, and is, you know, it, it has a sensibility in the way that it's shot that really sort of brings you into the culture. Um, so that was one that was a standout for me this year in terms of places that I I felt like I hadn't experienced for myself, but experienced through the film. Hmm, that sounds lovely. We're talking with Zoe Elton, who is the director of programming for the Mill Valley Film Festival, and filmmaker David Iverson, who has Capturing Grace, which is uh, has two screenings in the festival, one on October 10th and one on October 11th. Um, both are only at Rush, uh, you know, which is actually interesting because it means that there's been all these people interested in seeing the films. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you surprised by which films wind up sort of having that? almost selling out quality first. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was funny because when I was making the list of all the films I wanted to go to, none of them, <laughs> none of them, um, you know, were in that position that mm-hmm. I was drawn to something completely different. So there must be many different audiences coming together at one time. There are. And I think that that's, uh, you know, I think as you said at the very beginning of the program, that's one of the things that we look for as curators um, is really having that breadth of of a program that can look at a lot of different cultures and um, can be an insight into a lot of different ideas as well. Um, And in terms of things that, you know, sell out easily, well, you know, it kind of begins with recognizable names, English language, and kind of goes from there. Um, (laughs) But... um, yeah, sometimes I'm surprised and sometimes it seems inevitable that certain things will, you know, have a buzz around them. But it's it's also interesting because, as you said, we also, we do show quite a few films that are going to be sort of on, on an awards trajectory. Um, and 
quite often at the time that the festival happens, people don't actually know about them. So I think one of the things that a festival like this has to offer is the chance to be surprised and in some cases the chance to be amazed at, you know, at what work is out there, whether it's something that may end up on an awards trajectory or not. I mean, I think that a lot of people and a lot of our audiences really appreciate those those hidden gems and the films that they're not going to be able to see in a movie theater very soon um, because not only do they get the chance to see them and see them in the way that they were intended to be seen, but frequently we have the filmmakers here as well, so there's a chance to actually talk with people. Right, that there was a film that um, struck me as interesting a thousand rupee note have you mm-hmm. seen that film yeah uh, now here's some, you know, this is a film where it's uh, an india based film and yet the filmmaker was educated in terms of filmmaking in the us and was connected to sundance institute in terms of training and then i guess goes back i haven't seen the film but goes back and makes a film that reflects something about uh his own culture. Yeah, I mean, the film definitely has a sense of India and a sense of Indian culture, and it 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 essentially extracts the you know the whole notion of the thousand rupee note as a sort of central conceit that that unpacks the story in the film. Um, and it's it's also interesting that I think quite a lot of filmmakers these days um, are maybe born in one place or raised somewhere else and then study film somewhere else. You know, I, I had a revelation a few years ago and I, I was noticing that there are a lot of uh, filmmakers from, uh, some from Africa, some from other, you know, poorer countries, um, well, that continent obviously, but um, who were, had studied film in Germany. And I discovered that it's because uh, Germany offered, you, you could go to school for free there even as a non-national. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. And it's still, I think, a lot cheaper. You know, I, th- I think there may be some kind of fees involved now, but it's still, it's still, it's you know, it's affordable for people. So there's, there's interesting cross-pollination, I think, that comes both culturally and aesthetically when people have that opportunity to live or study in another country. Uh, are there certain films that stand out for you in this festival where it there is something like that, a, uh, two different cultures coming together in that kind of way? Well, actually, there's a film that essentially addresses that. It's called Soleil, the French word for sun, suns. Um, and it's a very unusual collaboration. It's by Danny Kuyate, who's from Burkina Faso in West Africa, and Olivier de la Haye, who's from France. So it's, uh, you know, it's an African, it's a white European, and the film is, um, essentially a kind of like a magical realism road trip through, uh, the ways in which African culture has been seen throughout the centuries by Westerners. Ah, so it's um, they've they've you know they've approached it in this very democratic way, <laughs> in in as much as you know you've got the black guy and the white guy and they're they're working on it together. Um, but it's an interesting piece that the, the um, it's a story about a girl who has essentially lost her memory and. Her, she's assigned by her grandfather a man to take her on a journey where she can regain her memory. And of course, the memory that she's lost is her cultural memory. 
um, you know, and she, she, they, it's like this sort of literal walk through time where they, they, they witness Voltaire, uh, uh, Nelson Mandela, and they see the way that black culture or African culture specifically has been seen through the ages. Well, it's interesting that you say magical realism because I can imagine it could be a didactic <laughs> kind <Right>. of mess, right? <laughs> Rather than something that's sort of poetic and opening and up witty, actually, as well. Oh, very witty. Yes. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. <coughs> uh, are there other themes in the festival that um, stand out for you? Um, yes, I, I mean I think that we have um, several films that are kind of you know sort of like emerging filmmakers whose work is kind of interesting I'm saying emerging is maybe a little bit of a contradiction in terms but for instance um like sunday like rain um is by frank whaley who is an actor um other films um in that kind of area would include let me see um well, I can quit whenever I want. Um, I'm trying to think of other themes that have come up for us this year. Well, comedy, actually. Huh. And, and, and can I just say, it's kind of unusual for comedy to come up in the context of film festivals. You know, I mean, frequently you sort of think of independent art films and it's all sort of blood, guts and seriousness. But um, we found that there were quite a few films this year that were dealing with humor in different ways. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm saying comedy, but I think humor is probably, you know, more of the sort of the, the, uh, the broad strokes way of um, describing that. Um a local film, Three Still Standing, uh, which is about the stand-up scene in San Francisco and looks at three people who came up during, you know, the late 70s, early 80s when stand-up was in its uh, primetime youth in the Bay Area and that they are still standing now. So we're showing that. Um, a very you know, there's also... Oh, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. So it's just, it, it just it occurs to me also that al along with Three Still Standing, there are a number of films that also have to do with um, the journey that you go through with any art and the transformational power that that can sometimes still have. There's a, another film about free, about, about young people and, right. and dance and that journey. There's Nicole Boxer's film about, um, called How I Got Over about right. people who have gone through very tough times and, and are now putting on a, a, a drama. So there, there are a number of films that explore, that seem to explore that theme. And that's really interesting to me. Yeah, to absolutely right. And I, um, you know, free as Dave mentioned is, um, is getting its world premiere here as well. And that's about destiny arts center here in Oakland. So, um, it's very uh, close to our hearts. Um, as well as that, uh, Karina Epperlein's film, Finding the Gold Within. Right. So yeah. she's, you know, she's a, she's a Bay Area filmmaker. She's also somebody who has a performance background herself. And, uh, her film looks at this really terrific program that mentors young African American, uh, guys. Um, and she's really put a lot of energy behind it. Several of them are going to be attending the festival. We're doing a couple of sort of off-campus programs with her. Um, they'll be doing some work with our our education program. You know, so during the festival, uh, we do uh, screenings and presentations um, with school students, either at the theatre or in the schools. So 
doing this kind of programming offers us the the chance to sort of integrate both what we do publicly in the film festival but also the other things that we do behind the scenes essentially in our education program right because people choose ideas for films because they're inspirational or they have all this meaning so Mm -hmm. that's so wonderful so the mill valley film festival starts october 2nd and runs through the 12th uh you can go to the website which is mvff.org uh we were speaking today with zoe elton who is the program director of the mill valley film festival and gives a lot of interesting tips of wonderful films and then we were speaking with david iverson whose film capturing grace about adults with Parkinson's disease collaborating with the Mark Morris Dance Group has two screenings October 10th, October 11th you can go on the website for more information uh, there will be rush tickets available for both of those shows so I want to thank you for coming on and, and talking about the film and helping me prepare my list thank you Raina thank you uh, my name is Raina Cowan you've been listening to Frame to Frame Real to Real Open a Book I will be back next month looking at film in a variety of forms so thank you so much for listening Welcome to the Buffalo Field Campaign Roadshow to the Bay Area on Friday, September 26th, 7 p.m. at the Ecology Center, 2530 San Pablo Avenue between Dwight Way and Parker in West Berkeley. The show features storytelling and video from the land of the buffalo with campaign co-founder Mike Meese and the amazing native music of Good Shield Aguilar and Mignon Gelly. The campaign works to end the slaughter of the last wild buffalo. This is a benefit for the Buffalo Field Campaign, and it is wheelchair accessible. For more info, phone 510-548-3113. Or visit our website at buffalofieldcampaign.org.